Welcome to the Executive Security Podcast, where we talk to CISOs and other leaders in the cybersecurity space about their careers. Our goal in this podcast is to inspire others to join the fight. My name is Gene Fay, and I'm the CEO of API security company ThreadX and the host of the Executive Security Podcast. Today, we're joined by Bill Brown, who is an information technology and information security leader and has spent decades leading global teams in startups, midsize, and Fortune 1000 companies. Currently, he is CISO and CIO at Abacus Insight and an advisory board member to Threat Warrior. He has held security leadership positions in Click Software, Hufflin Mifflin, Veracode, and Iron Mountain. Welcome, Bill. How are you today? I'm great, Gene. It's good to speak with you again. It's very good. So I'll digress uh, off topic for just one second, Bill. For those that don't know Bill, I had the pleasure of meeting him about 10 years ago, working for an early stage company called Resilient Systems. And for the listeners who've never been a part of an early stage company, whether it be cybersecurity or anything else, one of the most difficult things is getting your first couple of customers. Early days at Resilient, we would say uh, USA Funds, the largest provider of student loans in the country. And they'd say, you know, CISO would say, who else do you have? I'm like, did I mention USA Funds? But uh, having you uh, be one of our early customers when you were at Veracode made all the difference in the world. So I just wanted to thank you. It was a game changer because now I could say USA funds and Veracode and, and, and eventually Visa and you know, a bunch of other companies. But thank you for your support early in my career. Oh, you bet. And, and it, was, it was a great platform. We uh, really helped us, uh, you know, really cement some of our incident management processes. So uh, well done. Well, that's awesome. Well, it's great to catch up with you again. <laughs> Uh, maybe we can start with just uh, telling me a little bit about your company and your role uh, in this company. Sure, sure thing. So uh, Apex Insights, I've been there just a little over two years. It's a really interesting model. So we help healthcare payers like Blue Cross and Blue Shield really solve their data problems to improve patient outcomes. It's really kind of a cool mission. So as an example, think of a scenario, Gene, where you're pretty depressed because you, you, know, you couldn't get the ThreadX team working side by side during the pandemic. So you go to your, your primary care physician, he prescribes some anxiety medicine, and he gives you, you know, one and it allows you for a refill. Well, the payer knows you saw the PCP. The payer also gets a feed from the pharmacy saying you picked up your first prescription. So a few weeks go by and there's no more activity and you don't pick up your second prescription. So a couple of things could happen. You're feeling really good and that helped you through the dilemma and, and you're, you're off and running or you've completely gone off the rails. And maybe the PCP should give you a call and say, Gene, you know, how you doing? Mm. So all these different feeds allow the payer to really improve the patient income. And quite frankly, they also improve their efficiency. So what we do is we provide that as a service, right? So we rescue these struggling CIOs who are trying to provide all these data feeds to their chief analytics and, and chief data officers. Mm. So That's it's a pretty cool, cool model. Well, well, I got to imagine you're yeah. dealing with some very uh, personal data. So the PII and other things have to play a big part of uh, things you have to worry about and day in and day out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, it's funny because my role is CISO and CIO, and it's, it's primarily around the CISO, right? So protected health information, it's, it's been a really interesting. It's my first go around with it, and it's really challenging. So the security focus is primary. And in terms of the difference now that I'm in the healthcare field, there's a lot of strict compliance requirements like HIPAA and high trust. So I remember I came on board and first weekend said, hey, by the way, Bill, we didn't mention, but we've uh, we've told we have a contractual commitment with that one of our customers that will be high trust compliant by the end of the year. Mm. So I'm saying, oh, boy, that, that's a pretty tall order. But we had a great compliance leader on the staff, someone I'd worked with before, really supportive executive team. 
and we already had a really solid platform security architecture. And so we got the whole company behind the initiative during the year. We, we set about to develop a, a whole comprehensive set of policies and procedures. And I told the company, this is what I'm going to call this the saying what we do phase. And then we parsed out all of these controls. There were about 400 of them to all the responsible teams, right? Engineering, DevOps, HR, you've been through these many times. Right. And we set up a framework for them to provide the evidence back to us that in fact, we were doing what we said we do. So uh, we actually got it done within a year and had terrific results to go with. And you know, it's funny because my experience with compliance initiatives over the years has been that most companies, including ourselves, it's treated as a check the box exercise, right? right? Do the minimum, get it done. And yeah, we'll- that's right. And more of it's about affirmations uh, and, and it's, they're more likely aspirations. But right. if you really take it seriously, you come up with a much better security program. No, for sure. And for the listeners that maybe aren't familiar with some of the terms that Bill is using, such as HIPAA, I use PII, high trust. We'll put some links to Wikipedia to give a cursory knowledge of some of those things. There, there are whole careers built around the, the things that we're mentioning here. So I think it gets to the, kind of the next question we have there. It seems like it's a very different set of uh, things that you have to think about when you're coming from a healthcare perspective, as opposed to some of the software companies or information companies that you've been at before. Absolutely. It's always about the data, right? So access controls, whether it can be accessed onshore or offshore, there are uh, uh, Medicaid requirements. So it's pretty comprehensive set of requirements that you need to sort of stay within the bounds uh, in in order to meet not only your customers' requirements, but some of the um, regulatory requirements. Yeah, absolutely. And it's another thing for our listeners to think about is not only do we talk about the excitement of getting into cybersecurity, but Every vertical has its own set of specialty needs that people can build whole careers around, like focusing on healthcare and cybersecurity or focusing on another particular vertical, uh, nuclear power plants. I mean, like everybody has a super uh, next level of specialty that can be created and is valued by that industry. So that's something for our listeners to really think about as they want to get jump in here. Think about not only what skills you want to learn or what are the things you want to do, of what vertical are you going to be passionate about to be able to do that? So obviously you're, you're helping companies, but you're obviously tremendously helping individuals and having a big impact on their lives. So I think it's, Precisely. it sounds like an exciting mission. So excited to see where you guys take it over the next couple of years. Absolutely. So Bill, how and why did you get into cybersecurity? Well, so I, I've always had, uh, as a CIO, really always had responsibilities somewhat for cyber. But I really started to focus on it at Iron Mountain a number of years ago. And that was really given the amount of sensitive data we were storing for our customers. And again, there were strict regulatory compliance requirements there, especially around what we were storing for financial institution customers. And then when I met you at Vericode, I mean, we re- I really started getting serious about it, you know, especially around application security, of course. Mm. But also, you know, sort of uh, being able to analyze the cyber risks that the companies were being faced with and really how to match that with programs that balanced both enabling employees while enforcing policies and procedures, right? I call it sort of the CISO mullet, right? It's the uh, enforcer on the front, enabler on the back, and that balance. And frankly, you know, I find cyber much more interesting than it was worrying about ERP or HRIS systems, right? (laughs) Exactly. Well, I think it's an interesting that you come from the chief information officer side of things and growing up on that side of the business. And and this role, having both of those uh, responsibilities, I think it's another one of those interesting things uh, 
I think over the last 25 years, watching the CIO position go from desktop helper, mainframe expertise, all the way to the boardroom. And now we see the same thing with the CISO. And it's usually, again, let's call it 10 years ago, or even quite often today, the CISO is reporting to the CIO. The CIO is the one sitting at the board level, but you're seeing even some government regulations going on right now that are going to take that position to a whole nother level of being a part of the board. And I'm sure you spent a lot of time presenting to boards. That's right. And also having that perspective, you know, of sort of a CIO, you're trying to deliver business value with information systems and the CISO perspective, you try to do it safely and securely, right? It really helps you provide that balance to say, hey, we want to get stuff out the door to enable our customers, but we want to do it in such a way that we don't put anybody at risk. Right, exactly. And those are natural tensions because your business drivers are to get some new capabilities pushed out as quick as you can, but you need that break side of it to go, yeah, but are we potentially exposing data? Are we exposing our customers? Are are our customers really going to be the beta testers? Are we really tested this thing? both from a usability, but also from a cybersecurity perspective. So I see where your, your Veracode experience uh, plays really nicely into what you're doing here. Absolutely. That's awesome. So what do you think were some of the keys to achieving the level of success that you've had? And for those that haven't looked at Bill Brown's LinkedIn profile, we'll, we'll share that. But he's done some tremendous things, had some great outcomes, been a part of some great teams. So what do you think are some of the keys to the success you've had? Well, I think, again, it's uh, a lot has been being in the right place at the right time. I've had the good fortune to be on some great teams, work with some great leaders. Interesting story. You talked about sort of the challenges of an early stage company. Uh, it took a, a detour earlier in my career uh, after a failed startup, and I took a role as a technology director for a private Catholic boys school here in Massachusetts. So I went there for a year to sort of help them design a technology center, but I ended up staying for five. You know, I was really in the tech trenches, you know, sort of adding firewalls or some of people remember ghosting PCs that got bricked by the students. But I also had a chance to do some great stuff. I took a a team of boys on two occasions to some desperate areas of Appalachia to really serve some disadvantage. It was probably, as I think about it, Gene, the most rewarding job of my career. And really, it helped me shape my worldview and gain an appreciation of the worldview of others. And I think it's been valuable for me because... I try to use empathy and understanding to build stronger relationship with colleagues and team members. And when you do that, you reach a whole new level of trust with those people. Yeah, and I think that the key there is that whole idea of, I think about the progression of technical people I've worked with, they obviously master their skills as you have in terms of technical capabilities, but then it's team management, it's empathy, it's understanding how to communicate business value or cyber value, but in business terms, so that that's what allows people to grow. So for those listeners that are thinking about, you know, they're early in their career in cyber and they, how do they want to end up and be as successful as Bill is, it's about the people skills. It's the soft skills and you have to decide pretty early in your career, do you want to go down that path? It's not for everybody, but those that do cross that threshold can have quite a bit of success. So I think that that empathy capability is really key. Yeah, and I've been really fortunate to have some amazing people that I've worked with and work on my team. And quite frankly, most of them knew much more about their expertise than I did. And they've gone on to be CEOs and CISOs in their own right. So it's no secret we all know to recruit and retain the best, the best folks you can. It's the truth. And uh, we, we share a, a similar uh, friend, Bob Brennan, who was the CEO of Veracode, a board member at Click, and has been a, a friend to me for a long time, just like a friend to you. And I, I don't think anybody does it better than Bob. He's never tries to be the smartest guy in the room, although he often is. 
And he's always uh, just trying to help make everybody on the team and everybody on his extended team. I'd never worked directly with him, but he's he's made me a better VP of sales, CRO, COO, and uh, CEO. And I, I know you you share many same similar experiences with him. Absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, if, as I think about some advice that I've been given, you know, from people to time to time, you know, Bob gave me one of the most important ones. And he told told me one time, always make sure that you're regularly asking your team and colleagues for feedback on your performance, right. at least as many or more times than I'm providing feedback on theirs. So, yeah. you know, it, it was just a great, it's just something that stuck with me all the time. And, you know, I end every one-on-one with is, hey, give me some feedback on my performance. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's well said. I've, Bob's the best. And you have another person like Tom Heiser and Chris yep. Lynch. There's, there's a lot of great people. These are all people based in the Massachusetts slash Boston uh, tech community. But uh, I think if there's nothing else to be learned, as you listen to two older guys lament about people that have helped us tremendously, is about developing your own mentor network and finding those people that can help you. So next question, if you have no experience and you don't have a network of people today in cybersecurity, how does one get started? Yeah, so so Gina, I think certainly an affinity for information technology helps, right? So you're a tech, you know, maybe some tech at heart, uh, but there's many ways to get started, right? I, I think the key to, is to find your way onto a team and learn from there, right? Try to get your foot in the door. So for instance, you might be uh, in a project management role now, but you can join an InfoSec team to help them develop their overall program, right? Or you might be someone that's interested in regulatory compliance, right? And risk analysis. So you sort of get into that area. Or you could look into, you know, some of these boot camps, you know, like a cyber warrior, or, you know, maybe just take an introductory uh, cloud security uh, certification like the CCSK from the Cloud Security Alliance. So I think my key for people that don't have specific cyber is to find your way onto a team and then learn from there. And then that will allow you to focus and then augment your learning with maybe some outside learning uh, to really, you know, set you on your career. Yeah, I think that's great guidance. So it's like if the frontal assault to uh, the position of your dreams and security isn't available, but you identified the company or the vertical which you want to work in, we'll find something maybe you do have the skills for. And to your point, maybe it's IT help desk or some other way that gets you in there. From there, you can build your own brand and be able to really get or gain the confidence of people around you to allow you to go lateral and lateral up into other parts of the organization, specifically in the cybersecurity, I think it makes total sense. Yeah, and I think these days, you know, with really the dearth of cybersecurity professionals available to all of us, right, we're all making a lot of different investments to help coach up these people. So this is a perfect time to consider a change into cybersecurity and find that opportunity where you can leverage their investments to help you get your career started. Yeah, it's, it's perfectly said, Bill, because other CISOs that we've had on the show are all encouraging people to put themselves out there and find a way to get yourself introduced into these conversations because we're all willing to do training. We're all willing to invest in people that maybe don't have exactly the skill sets. And I think one of the the other CISOs that we interviewed said something like, we all start with the purple unicorn, but the reality is we have to back off of that and, and rethink how we position some of our entry-level positions so that people that don't have backgrounds aren't intimidated to try to apply. But with that being said, we do want to encourage everybody to put themselves out there and apply. And again, as you said perfectly, if you can't get in that job, 
find another job that will allow you to get laterally into it. Again, I think another one of the things served just recently is like the, the first job in cyber is the hardest, but once you have that pedigree uh, and you've proved yourself at any level, people are going to help you. Uh, it's one of the, when you have such an imbalance of open rules to uh, people with capabilities, uh, it's to the advantage of the employees right now, which is great and couldn't be happier to see them kind of move around. And I think there's so much adjacency within the InfoSec team, right, to other to dis- disciplines within the team that, that it's very easy to move from side to side or forwards and backwards. So it, it's a good time to be out there uh, getting into cyber. Well, that sounds awesome. Well, Bill, I think we really covered some great topics today, as expected, gave some great advice and glad to count you as a friend and uh, couldn't be happier in your new role. So that's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks, Bill, for joining us today and sharing your thoughts on careers in cybersecurity. Please join us next month for another episode of the Executive Security Podcast. Thank you and have a great day. Uh